Well, the psalm that Elizabeth read for us, Psalm 92, just some selected verses, was the fact that joyous gratitude had prompted the psalmist to write. Praise the Lord for his mighty acts and his eternal majesty. That was one way of summing up that psalm. And the gratitude wasn't just from an individual, although an individual was uh, would have written it. It was actually a response for the whole community of God. Praising God for his steadfastness. He was a covenant-keeping God. And the psalmist didn't rate skill or a successful career or fame or power or security and the like. At the end of the day, worship was central to everything. And that's why that particular psalm was often used on a Sabbath in the synagogue, in the Jewish uh, community. And I hope you've come tonight with a sense of gratitude. Come, no matter what challenges you faced, offer your thanksgiving to God for his grace and his love. And today in this service, on this Sunday, it's MHA Sunday, and we come to give thanks for the work of MHA, formerly known as Methodist Homes. And we've learned online this morning, if you were watching and saw the video clip that we play, paid and heard the interview with the Reverend Dr. Chris Smith, that it's not just work in homes, although that's very important. Uh, MHA works in community-based schemes as well, helping older people where they are in their communities. And let me just remind you a little bit of the history of MHA. It was founded by Methodists in 1943, towards the end of uh, the Second World War. And these Methodist members wanted to improve the quality of life of older people. And this was well before the creation of the welfare state. And today, MHA has built on that and has strong support from not only Methodists, but also other Christians as well, as it cares for people as a whole, remembering body, mind, and spirit. And spirituality is very important in the work of MHA. And so they can offer their gratitude to God today for the work of MHA. And they want people to be able to whatever age they are, to be able to offer their thanksgiving. And many of our older folk get forgotten and have a spirituality of their own. And they are able to offer their thanks because of the work of MHA. So this Sunday reminds us that Methodists can work together to support older people and organizations like MHA, but also to reduce loneliness and isolation, and that's so important at the, mem at the moment. Uh, MHA helps older people, not just to survive, but to thrive. And I think that's a very important note for us to remember. We live in a world, especially in the West, that tends to focus on the young. Old age is often derided and ignored rather than respected. And other cultures, we could learn so much from other cultures that respect age. And uh, uh, many of us uh, in uh, our culture um, think 
about, yes, we want to live longer, but will people value us when we get old? And some of you are saying, well, it's all right for him to say that. I'm in that category, <laughs> and I want to be respected uh, for my age. And the Bible does point us in that direction about respect and care for the elderly. Leviticus 19, verse 32, rise in the presence of the aged, show respect for the elderly, and revere your God. I am the Lord. There we are. 1 Timothy 5, verse 1, do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. Michael's nodding his head over there. Uh, Proverbs 23, verse 22. Listen to your father who gave you life and do not despise your mother when she is old. And you could go on. There's much in the Bible that talks about respect for those who are older. But we should be aware that whilst um, uh, aging is something that we respect, it also brings trials with it. Uh, things begin to wear out, and uh, there are times when life can be quite a struggle. I'm sure you've heard of the serenity prayer, but let me just read the senility prayer. God, grant me the senility to forget the people I never liked anyway, the good fortune to run into the ones I do, and the eyesight to tell the difference. I quite like that one. <laughs> And yet the challenges of getting old are a fact of life. And those who are blessed with long life meet those challenges. Of course, not everybody is blessed with a long life. And I'm sure you've heard the saying, everyone wants to live a long time, but nobody wants to get old. The fact is that we're living in an increasingly aging population. But are we investing in the care of our elderly or are we ignoring it everyone's everyone wants to be cared for when they're old and uh, wants uh, to be loved but no one wants to pay for it in their taxes it was tax justice sunday recently and it was a time when we think that actually taxes are important even though uh, we find them difficult it may be that we need to be more generous in paying our taxes if we want to inherit care in later life. What's more, it can be seen as sacrificial giving to ensure that those who need care receive the care that they need so much. Not many people will be elected on a high-tax manifesto, but if we want people to be cared for, then it may be something that we need to take seriously. Uh, Jimmy Carter, the former president of the United States, once said, the measure of a society is found in how they treat the weakest and most helpless citizens. Let me just read that again. The measure of a society is found in how they treat the weakest and most helpless citizens. Maybe that's the measure of a church too. How we care for the weakest and most helpless church members and members in our community. How can we help our older folk to flourish? How can we help them to maintain and nurture their faith? 
how do we help people to end life well and be prepared to meet their maker? Let me give you some examples of uh, people that I've experienced who have maintained their relationship with the Lord in older, uh, later life and maintained righteousness as well before the Lord. One lady, she's now in glory, Margaret Fisher. What a saintly lady she was. In my first appointment in Colchester, I encountered Margaret and she had trouble with her eyesight. She was very frail and elderly, but she visited more people in the life of the church than anyone else, even though it was a struggle. She was the one that encouraged me to go into all the old people's homes in Colchester. And remember, I was a young minister in his late 20s at the time. It wasn't the most natural thing to do. She encouraged me to go in and developed a ministry that I had at that time of going in and leading services in some of the old people's homes in Colchester. She used to prepare before I went by telling me what was going on and who needed, <laughs> needed prayers. She was the one who told me which homes to go into. Uh, she gave me all the background information, and more importantly, when I went in, I knew she was praying. And I used to go in, and we're going to sing it a little later, we'd sing hymns together, and <laughs> I've never sung unaccompanied in my life, but I had to learn pretty quickly. But I found if I could hit the right note to start, they all spontaneously would sing. And when I went in, she encouraged me to talk to people about life and death. And people really responded to it. They would sing their favorite hymns with great enthusiasm. And it was quite a spiritual moment as we went in, as people flourished as they sang together. And I actually found it you might find it strange, an evangelistic opportunity because people used to ask me about faith. They remembered the songs from when they were at school or when they got married. They talked about their loved ones who died and they wanted to know about Jesus. Bless her. Margaret Fisher gave me a ministry and I find it quite emotional to older people. But she prayed and she prayed. She flourished in her older life and wanted others to. Let me tell you about Olive, a.k.a. Olive the blogger. She was in her late 80s and she was a bit bored. And her family bought her a computer. Not only did they buy her a computer, but they taught her to use the computer. And Olive, in her later life, she was very lonely. She had a ministry of engaging with younger people online. She learned how to use the computer and she read how to start a blog. And she started a blog, that's why she got the name, Olive the Blogger. She was a Methodist. And people who were desperate, young people who had nobody else to talk to or who were feeling abused or uh, under pressure in the, the online arena, she used to have a ministry of listening to them and chatting. And she used to write what she says, what I would like to tell my grandchildren. <laughs> and they all engaged with her. Olive had a wonderful ministry. 
But she actually found in that company and she found conversation and a meaning to her later life. Olive is now in glory, but I thank God for her. Monica Tipple, she was housebound. She couldn't do anything, so she thought. But whenever I used to visit her, I used to come away feeling better. Uh, I used to visit her to make her feel better, but I came away feeling better. Because she listened, she asked me about my day, she asked me about what I found hard in ministry, and she just used to listen. And she had a big chair, and on one side of her chair she had a Bible, on the other side she had a newspaper, and on her lap she had her prayer list. And I knew that at a certain time, I can't remember when it was now, on a certain day, it was my turn to be prayed for. She said she couldn't go out, she couldn't do anything, but she could read her paper and pray for the world. She could read her Bible and listen to God. And she could, if she said she would pray for someone, she would pray for someone. She had such a relationship with the Lord and she struggled with her health. But she was a stalwart of prayer. Jim Miles, my dad. I thought I'd put a man in there because I didn't have any men on the list at the start. Not a committed Christian, but had Parkinson's and was helped by the U3A to explore philosophy and comparative religion. He'd struggled with understanding faith. But people helped him to think through that through a non-Christian organization, just a, the U3A. And he began a spiritual searching in his older life. An upright, self-made man. A man who's influenced so many people's lives. My dad who in humility in older life became totally dependent on other people for everything before he died and his carer. And yet he was able to do so with dignity because of the way he was treated and the way that people helped him at that time in his life. As you know, Dad died, and I know that he had a struggle in his later life, but there were people that gave him meaning and purpose, but also helped him spiritually in those days. So my question is, how do we as a church help people to flourish as best as they can in their older life? And as I say, some of you say, well, actually I'm in that category. Well, my question is, how can you help others to flourish who are also older the measure of a church is found in how we treat the weakest and most helpless members I would suggest and not just our younger members how can we in the words of Richard Raw, help people to fall upwards and meet their maker with purpose I'd like to end with the next part of this psalm because Margaret Fisher taught me that we can sow seeds 
at any age. It doesn't have to be when people are in the Sunday school. We can sow seeds and be broadcasters of the word when people are older. But we can also help prepare the ground so that people are receptive to the word. But Psalm 92 tells us about the traits of the righteous. And this psalm talks about a palm tree and it represents sturdy growth, small and tender as a sapling. It quickly becomes tall and straight and strong, providing abundant fruit, together with many of the necessities of life. The palm offers welcome shelter in the desert. It grows by sweet springs of water, and it's rarely found alone as well. The life sap of a palm also flows up through the inner trunk rather than just under the bark like most trees, which means it's very difficult to destroy a palm and it's also very durable. And the psalm also mentions the cedar in Lebanon. Now this was famed for its grand stateliness as a tree and it was early sought as a strong pillar in royal palaces and in temples, as in Jerusalem. You can read about that in Kings. The cedar is an evergreen, capable of living for thousands of years, and it prefers the heights of mountains, blessing the world with beauty and shelter. And so the righteous adorn the temples as though they'd been planted there, like the cedar. In the hours of worship, spiritual life of the righteous flourishes. They bless the world with their fruit in the end of their life. The righteous possess spiritual vigor, full of sap and green and sound in spiritual health. So how can we nurture that kind of rising sap even in the older members of our community. The psalm reinforces many concepts uh, about growth and flourishing. And there's not one taint of unrighteousness in the God that we worship. So the encouragement is to encourage people to turn towards the God who is righteous. So my encouragement to you the righteous are said to flourish in the presence of God. How can we help people to know God's presence so that they can flourish? As Christians, are we prepared to demonstrate our faith and speak about our faith with older people quite intentionally to help them on their journey? And how can we help the weary to learn that they're loved and cared for so that they can be open to receive God's love rather than become bitter and angry with the world and the community. I pray that the older ones in our community may still bear fruit in old age, that they will stay fresh and green, proclaiming that the Lord is upright that he is their rock. 
Amen. We're going to sing probably one of the most requested hymns when I used to go into uh, the old people's homes in Colchester. What a friend we have in Jesus. And as we listen to these words, let us make them a prayer for ourselves, but also for others.